Welcome to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. Yara is the global leader in crop nutrition knowledge and a producer of quality fertilizer products. Grow the future with Yara. Hello again, and from me, Ken Rundle, welcome. As promised, it's grazing and grassland in the spotlight this time and how best to manage it, given the present hiatus in the fertilizer market. I'm joined by Philip Cosgrave, Yara's country grassland specialist. Philip, in the last podcast, which is still accessible on the Yara website, Mark Tucker outlined the background to the present problems regarding the cost and supply of nitrogen fertilizer. What's your take on it just now, and in particular, how it affects the livestock sector? It's a big challenge for the livestock sector also. Um, an arable farmer may have quite a straightforward calculation to make with the economic optimum end rates, but for a livestock farmer, um, I suppose that's countered with there is economic end rates, but you know the farmer has a certain number of of head to feed, so um, it's that farmer will continue to to, to have to make forage to, to feed those animals because substituting that forage um, will be more expensive, I believe, than, um, than, than reducing homemade forage production. And presumably, just like the fertilizers, that everyone's being hit by the same problems regarding trucks and lorries and, uh, and deliveries of whatever it is, whether it's nitrogen fertilizer or additional f- uh, feed coming up the road. Yes, and look, uh, the, the fertilizer um, industry is no different than any other sector. There are, you know, the... There is that price problem, but there is also that issue with, um, you know, logistics and, and um, you know, deliveries. And generally, spring is always a busier time, and that obviously could pose issues for um, getting timely deliveries of, of fertilizer out on the farm. So farmers need to be conscious of that um, when they're thinking about ordering and uh, making a decision on ordering fertilizer. That's one thing they should be thinking about. What other kinds of things should farmers be thinking about when they make their plans for, for the next season? Nitrogen, and particularly um, early applied nitrogen, um, the actual return on the amount of kgs of dry matter we get per kg of nitrogen applied is very variable in that springtime. And it's all to do basically with, with weather and soil conditions at the time. So we can have, in some springs, we can have quite a good return. We can have up to, you know, 12 to 15 kgs of dry matter per kg of nitrogen. But in some springs, then we may only have, you know, three to five kgs of dry matter um, in response to one kg of of nitrogen applied. So, you know, farmers can kind of mitigate some of this risk by um, applying uh, split applications. So instead of where a farm would normally apply one application in, in February or early March, it may be prudent then to actually split that application um, and then, you know, in the hope that you're not, I, I guess, spreading fertilizer without, um, because of the cost of it, that um, you can't really, you know, the, the cost of, of putting on that fertilizer is going to, uh, any return of it may outweigh the, the, the grass that's going to be grown. So it's important to, to spread that risk and maybe think about actually splitting applications. And I suppose one other aspect, if budgetary constraints are in, you know, you can only afford so much, do you need to spread the fertiliser on on the normal amount of land you'd normally consider spreading it on? Do you you restrict your your productive capacity in that sense? Is that sensible or not? It is. And we would generally, when we we look at at, at first cut, um, particularly on silage, in that um, I think farmers need to really consider hard you know, reducing the the end rates on um, first cut silage because we know that that that's the most reliable 
return for nitrogen, per kg of nitrogen in that first cut. And we also don't know what the weather is going to be like further on. So if a farmer is thinking of uh, reducing first cut N applications in the hope that maybe fertilizer costs would come down and then hopefully then make up any deficit in subsequent applications, that could be quite risky because I suppose in the last number of years, we've had issues, whether it's been too dry or too wet. Um, So we know year on year Per kg of N applied in first cut, you get the highest return from that. And also that silage is generally of the highest quality. So, you know, it's and the other thing to consider is that a lot of the charges that are that are incurred for making silage are on a per hectare basis. So what we do is by lowering um, the nitrogen rate, we can sometimes then um, we don't have a huge impact on the actual cost of making that ton of silage because most of the, you know, the machinery and contracting costs are borne on a per hectare basis. So if you were cutting less tons per hectare, well, then that increases the cost on the remaining tons. So what it may be, it may be worthwhile doing is, is looking at maintaining um, optimum end rates on first cut, but maybe reducing the number of hectares that you actually make a first cut. But that would need to be carefully considered, Ken, because, you know, you'd need to look out, you need to do forage budgets and work out how much um, actual silage you would need. Is it just nitrogen we're talking about? Because uh, we've still got problems with things like sulfur and so on, generally speaking, haven't we? There's no point in, in switching to, you know, a nitrogen only product in the, in the springtime when we know that particularly if soil fertility isn't good enough, but particularly for sulfur, that if you have, have spread a nitrogen and sulfur product from previous years and then you go back to just a nitrogen product this year or this coming season, well, then you're likely to, to suffer a minimum of a 10% yield loss on that. There could be other consequences in that it could uh, impact the silage quality as well. But the P's and K's as well, particularly if you're not getting any P's and K's from if you haven't got any organic manure um, to apply, you know, and if soil fertility is not at the optimum, you know, we would suggest that you, you continue to use uh, an NPKS fertilizer to maintain and to I suppose to, to maintain that nitrogen use efficiency. And you've just mentioned there something I was going to bring up. I suppose livestock farmers have at least one weapon in their armory and that's slurry and manures. Yes, and, and this I think this offers um you know uh, certain farmers, some farmers use um organic manures um very efficiently, but we would be looking at I suppose some farmers um, may look to use some of their um, manures kind of later on in the season for subsequent cuts, for maybe second, third cuts, or maybe um, for grazing, they may look at holding on to particularly um, farmyard manures until, until later on next season. Um, but when we look at the availability of nitrogen in those, so th- those products, depending on when those products are applied, um, the, the percentage available nitrogen is, is going to be different. And, and also how those, you know, the machinery that, that we, we apply those um, products with. And we're talking, I suppose, primarily here about, about slurry. So if we can optimize the amount of slurry we can use on, say, first cuts, for example, or on grazing paddocks in early spring, you know, we can actually say on, on 10 cubic meters, if we move a slurry application, say that we would normally have in the slurry to the springtime, um, we would increase the amount of, of available nitrogen in, the, in, in 10 cubic meters of slurry by about 2.6 kgs. So by, by applying it earlier, 
um, you're going to you can displace, I suppose, some um, purchase fertilizer. So if you're looking at purchase fertilizer at say two pound, two pound twenty per kg, so effectively you're, you you can uh, reduce your your fertilizer requirement there by by five or six pounds by doing that. Um, and that's on per 10 cubic meters. Per thousand gallons, you're looking at two and a half units. Um, you'll increase the nitrogen availability by two and a half units by ba basically um, optimizing more of that slurry in springtime than kind of leaving it then for, for um, later applications, um, say, you know, from June, June onwards. So um, there is scope, but, I, but obviously with, with certain um, jurisdictions, there are... Um, there are restrictions on when those um, when slurry can be applied, and also the volumes of slurry that can be applied in certain months. So we, we have to abide by those, of course. And you've come out with some pretty general figures there. I suppose the key thing there is testing and analysis, and it's not just soil we're talking about here. It's testing your slurries and manures as well. Yes, because th th there's a huge amount of variability in our manures and slurry as well. Um, so this year would be worthwhile to to look and uh, look at, at at getting your your slurry or manure analysed, actually see what's in it, um, and then you can really get some accuracy there on what how much um, you know purchase fertiliser you can replace, because unless we know exactly what's in it, um, we're really only using book values, which there is a, a level of uncertainty with. In the last couple of weeks, we've seen some pretty dramatic change in the weather, with floods replacing the the, the good late growth of grass. It is making it planning difficult for conditions, particularly next spring, when springs, as you've already mentioned, is, is likely to be unpredictable. Are there any other key points to remember when making your plans? Don't spread nitrogen fertilizer just on a, you know, on a, a particular date because you've always spread it on a particular date. Um, look at, at um, you know, soil temperatures, long range forecasts, um, and obviously when soil conditions are, are, are appropriate as well. But if we can get some nitrogen out there early, we know that nitrogen um, kicks grass growth um, off. If we wait to apply that nitrogen when grass is actually growing, yes, we will probably get a higher response in growth rates for that nitrogen we apply. But the problem is that that growth rate will be delayed by about two weeks. So by putting on some early when soil conditions are right and the long range forecast looks good, um, we can actually speed up the amount of grass that will be grown in that that early period, which was, it's which is very valuable grass because it basically leaves that we can get livestock out to grass quickly. We know that that grass then is a, um, has a cheaper cost per kg um, dry matter than the alternative of feeding forage indoors or forage plus concentrate. I suppose all this is helping to reinforce the previous message that you were giving about focusing on nitrogen efficiency, but does, in, an energy efficiency also comes into this, doesn't it, these days? When we look at you know nitrogen use efficiency and coping with these high nitrogen high fertilizer prices, that you know basically regardless of the price of fertilizer, and um, we should be looking at bringing efficiencies in. And and, and nitrogen at any year is is a significant cost on farms. But we should be looking at basically increasing the 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 use of these uh, or the efficiency of which we use nitrogen in both you know bagged form or whether it's in organic manures. Um, and then that will then, I suppose, carry on into, um, you know, profitability on farms, you know, re um, resilience on farms. And also, I suppose, when we look at, at carbon footprinting of many farms now, um, that will help to reduce the carbon footprint of, you know, the, the, the products that are being produced, whether it's um, meat or, or milk. 
This was a point Mark made in the last podcast, and that was that, you know, this is going to challenge people. It's going to get them thinking again. Well, for goodness sake, use this opportunity to perhaps challenge your own systems, change your own systems if required, or start to think about changing your own systems and move with it so that use this hiatus as an opportunity to to reprogram yourself and and reconfigure. Yeah, certainly I'd agree with that, Ken. You know, if if farmers are, 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 are not sure about what a, you know, putting together a nutrient plan for the farm, you know, seek out help, seek help from a, a facts qualified advisor. And it's really about just, you know, looking at, at, you know, the crops that are going to be grown, but then what are the nutrient requirements for them and planning for those, um, planning for how much nutrients need to be applied, which type, whether they're organic or mineral, um, or, and, um, you know, putting timings on those. Now, those timings, you know, that can all, particularly on grassland farms, those timings and obviously um, uh, will change. And obviously that the rates will change as well, particularly with nitrogen, but at least have a plan in place and know exactly, um, you know, what, um, you know, the amount of organic manures that that are required, where they're going to be um, allocated on the farm with respect to, um, you know, soil fertility. And that's where your, you know, soil analysis is going to be, is, is always important, but using your, um, you know, those organic manures more efficiently around the farm um, to help build soil fertility, maybe in areas that are, that's poor, but then on, on any areas then that are, that soil fertility is good, well then um, there's no um, use in using organic manures in those areas when you've got other parts of the farm that, that, that need them. So we're looking at, and, and this year, the coming year in particular, I think they're going to be very important in that, you know, we can, we can, we can certainly, um, you know, use manures to help um, replace some of that fertilizer requirement, but still at the same time, um, maintain those optimum, um, you know, yields of silage or whether it's for graze grass. So is it possible to summarize your key points, Philip? You've actually gone over some very clearly, but uh, if you wanted the last thing for folk to remember as they finish this podcast... I think, Ken, nutrient management planning, um, maybe that should be done earlier rather than later. And looking at, you, you, you mentioned earlier on about, you know, getting uh, organic manures tested, you know, and I'd say highlight that, but also getting, you know, make sure your soil tests are, are up to date. The other thing would be to spread the risk and this to do with not just fertilizer cost, you know, on, you know, purchasing, if, if possible, a, a portion of your fertilizer now rather than leaving it until the spring. Um, but also the spreading the risk with regards to the application of that fertilizer. So, you know, you're not putting on large applications in one go in that you actually reduce applications and maybe spread um, that fertilizer more frequently. And then again, just, just for, I suppose, the first cut that we would recommend that, you know, optimize that first cut don't be risking kind of making up um you know that yield if of reducing nitrogen applications on that first cut because you get best bang for your buck with that first cut per kg of n so um it, it could be a risky exercise you know delaying that you know to to build up any forage deficits in, in subsequent cuts knowing that the weather we've been having for the last number of years during the summer Philip Cosgrave, thank you for that. I hope it's helped farmers focus their thoughts about what is a a really challenging and can be frightening, costly upset to their business. And next time, I'm going to be looking at some of the latest research, especially that in the fruit sector. So join me, Ken Rundle, in a couple of weeks' time. Thanks for listening to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. For more information, visit yara.co.uk or yara.ie.